welcome to season three of True Lessons with your host, Lillian. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. To my returning listeners, thank you for your continuous support. We were once called Wine Down with Lil, but our show is now called True Lessons. Listen in on season three and discover why the name changed at all. Also, don't forget to show your girl some love and subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your preference so you don't miss out on future episodes. Well, let's get started on today's lesson and let's glow up together. True Lessons podcast starts now. This episode was recorded via Zoom. The audio may be unstable. I don't know how many of you have ever felt this way in your lives when you felt like you were the only person you could rely on, like you're the trailblazer of the family, you had no one you could count on, you were never the mentee, you were always the mentor, and you felt as if you had no blueprint and no one you could count on. Because I have. I used to feel that way. Until I met Stephanie Moore. She is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. She is a Reiki master. She, She is a spiritual healer and she is a beautiful person. She, through her energy, exhorts a sense of love and peace. And through her, I have learned so much of how to accept me today, who I used to be, and the fact that I've never had to do it alone. I never had one mentor. I had several mentors in my life. And she is one of them. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stephanie Moore. You are a gem. And aside from myself, I know everybody that's come across your path and has been extremely blessed with your presence and your energy. And I just, I am so honored to have you on the show today. Thank you, Lillian. I'm really, really happy to be here. Legit, um, since I met you, there's been this huge flip in my life. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, I could almost get emotional and I've only known you for like such a small amount of time. It's been months, <laughs> but um, that's when you know energies are real. When you know that it's, it's something I didn't know how to define until Anna, our mutual friend introduced us. Um, she's the one who introduced us. I was having a hard time understanding energy. Like, I feel this way. I feel that way. Um, I called it anxiety. Everything was anxiety. Everything was, you know, something I didn't feel good about. But when you came across that path in my life through our Reiki session, which is something we're definitely going to talk about, (laughs) I I have transformed that thinking of anxiety and understanding it's about energy. So before we get into that whole idea of energy stuff tell our listeners our watchers who you are because i i feel like there's no way i could introduce there's no best way to introduce you um no words will do justice to who you are to me and and the energy you carry please introduce yourself like i'm i am just a regular person you know like people have called me healer um I, there is a title reiki master and spiritual psychotherapist but you know i i do have those titles but i am just you and you are me and i am everyone that walks through the door of my my healing practice i'm a person that's been on a healing journey for a long long time probably since i was about 2 years old when when my dad left actually probably from in utero when 
I was conceived and not really wanted. You know, I probably started my journey of wounding and all kinds of lessons at that point. But um, I am somebody who is very passionate about helping people. I used to say women, but as of late, there's been a lot of men coming to see me as well and a lot of uh, people. Just I'm just going to say people because I don't want to... Um, misidentify genders at this point because there are they them coming to see me as well so uh that i just want to guide people into stepping into their own passion and their own purpose and their own right to be here in this world and to be able to stand in the truth of who they are and to remember who they are and to step into the power of who they are and to live a life of, to live an extraordinary life, really, you know, to not ever get to the end of their lives and wish that they had done anything different, or when they look back at their lives, not wish anything was different, if that makes sense. Absolutely, it makes sense. Yeah. And you said something um, about your journey, about the healing journey. We assume the healing journey is when we come to know we have to heal, but there's a lot that happens prior to that that brings us to that awareness sure. that the journey has started from the moment your your entire life has started for sure the choice that we make so i so i think you know i was just talking to another uh therapist last night about this I, there's a term a term that came up between her and i that is in quotes the wounded healer and i think that what seems to be a common thread amongst people that help others on their healing journey and Healers don't really heal people, and you'll see this or you'll read this a lot on Instagram, that healers don't heal people. What they do is allow people to step into the truth or the path so that they can find the way of healing themselves that is innately within them. And what she said to me was, I think you and I are, are good at what we do because we have experienced so much wounding, right? We've we have experienced so much trauma, so much wounding. Um, have had quite a tumultuous past, but that then allows us to not only explore, explore our own wounding and figure out how we can heal that, but then become such empathetic individuals that when we stand across from someone, we literally are mirrors of that person, you know? And then when that person is a floodgate of tears, like my client this morning, I think used a whole box of Kleenex, I can look at, I can look at her and smile and be like, I know exactly where you are, but I also know exactly that you're not going to stay there. Right. And that is like just the most beautiful thing. Rather than coming at it from an elevated place where you haven't actually been in their shoes and you can only sort of imagine what it must be like to feel like they feel, it's not like that with me. Like I know exactly how they feel. So, I think in the wounding, um, we become great healers. Yeah. It's, it's true what you say. We do tend to, like you said, we, we are each other. And yeah. we don't realize that the energy is also transferable through like physical and body language. You know, some people will start to copy. If you're standing with your arms crossed, the other person will do the same. And then you realize, did I just copy what they did? And we don't yeah. realize it's past that. We end up copying traumatic response we copy you know how we react to good and bad 
Mm-hmm. don't realize that. But there is this phenomenon about energy now. There's a lot of talk about it. And maybe it's just because I am so engrossed in what energy is and people are like, what is it about you? Or, or just um, something's happened to you. You're, you're happy. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> happy. Or, yeah. I've always, you know, been a, a host and I love to give. And, but I've learned to give to myself. And in that, I have been so mindful of my energy. Um, and I've always kind of been protective of it. But there's this huge phenomenon of it and what energy is and how to protect it. So how, how do you define energy and how do you protect your energy? So, yeah, that's a great question because it's so important because I can see upwards of 12 to 14 people in one day in my space. So, and very few people are coming to me with high vibration energy is <laughs> otherwise like, why would they come to me? Um, and yes, energy is everywhere. And we, we act like I, one of the things I said to my client this morning was we act in our own homes very much. So like when we're, when we have families, we act like the, the Wi-Fi router in our homes. So if you can imagine that little symbol of the, the circle and then the concentric lines that come out of it, it's like, whatever we hold within ourselves, whatever our frequency and our vibration is, that generates in concentric circles out into our home. And then the people around us respond in like to what we're holding within us. So that's why it's so important to carry ourselves in the vibration and the frequency with which we would like to see around us and to stand in the power of that. But protecting myself, well, there's, there are many different ways. There are some physical ways that Uh, physical things that I do. So number one, I am very conscious of clearing my space in between clients. So I do believe that energies hang around. So I'm a a great proponent of clearing my space with Palo Santo, one of my favorite things, Holy Wood. Um, I burn it and I, I, I use it between clients or Sage. A lot of people are really familiar with Sage. I'm also a Reiki master. So the symbols that I've been attuned with in Reiki in and of themselves clear energy and raise vibration of physical spaces. So there are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual symbols that I've been attuned to. They're all very different and used for different things. So I would use the physical symbol within my space, which helps to clear the space um, inside of my healing practice. But for me, myself, I put on every morning what's called a psychic cloak of protection. So this is what was taught to me and handed down to me by by my Reiki master. And the way she explained it to me was, she said, I want you to imagine the Grim Reaper, which is like a really weird thing to imagine. But she said, I want you to imagine that big cloak that they wear. It's black and it's dark and there's a, a tie around the neck and it goes all the way down to the ground. And now I want you to imagine it, that it's in white, sparkling light. And you put that on every morning. And it's on you. And you feel it on you. And any energies that try and get to you get stopped by this psychic cloak of protection. That it's sort of sparkly and has like all fairy dust all around it. And your energy stays within you and everybody else's energy stays without you. You're still there. You you can see and hear and talk and all the things but you don't absorb and nobody takes from you. So I really love that. That, that. that can be kind of hard for some people to understand. So sometimes I'll just say, look, you're, you're with a toxic coworker. 
your mother-in-law's driving you nuts, whatever, who, whomever you're having a, a difficult time with, sometimes I'll say, just drop a, a imaginary plexiglass between you and the other person. Like just imagine it dropping from the sky, dropping in front of you. Maybe there's a few holes up at the top. What they're saying, you can sort of hear it. You can see them, but nothing hits you. You don't actually receive the energy of all of this stuff that you can hear and see, but you don't actually take it on. So that's what we would use with somebody who you would call like an energy vampire. Yeah. Uh, the dramatic queens that are, or negative Nellies or Debbie Downers or um, people that are searching for attention or are trying to draw from your good vibe because they want more of what you have and they're lacking of that. You just don't allow that to leave you and you don't allow their, their lower energy vibration frequency to come onto you. That's beautiful. I, yeah. it's, it's the hardest thing to learn because when you come from the idea of loyalty being proximity, of zero boundaries, to unlearn that and to establish that, that cloak, that wall, um, it's really hard because even if you want to keep it up and you build it up, people will try their best to go around it. Like they just want to go around it and attack. And as, as empaths, as people who are givers, we have no limits to give. We just want to give, but they also takers, they have no limits either. And it's extremely important to, to be able to protect it, but to acknowledge when to observe versus absorb. And I think it's even harder when you're dealing with family, when you're dealing with loved ones with blood. It could be a parent or a child. It could be your spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever significant other you have. It's the hardest thing to do is to build that boundary when they're used to taking, right? Like, as, especially as a mom, right? Like, you're supposed to get. And then as a wife or as a spouse, you're like, you want to give. But when there's boundaries, you have to set for your healthy ways to protect your energy or to, I don't want to say protect it as if everybody brings in bad, but to keep it in balance in a healthy way for you. It's the biggest challenge for me ever. Sure. It's I get that. And I think as, as mothers and wives, yeah, and especially if our parents were martyrs, right? If our mothers, uh, you know, you probably had a, a mother that was really doting and really gave and, and probably cooked all the time and was like, what can I do for you? And how can I give to you? And can I do your laundry? And, and you know, I had a grandmother like that. And I was like, oh, I need to be like that then as a mom, because, you know, she's like the perfect example of, the maternal nurturing mother, but you can't be like that constantly and still stand in your own truth. You can't be like that constantly and still follow completely your own passion and desire. You have to first, you know, you, we've all heard it. You have to fill your own cup first. You have to put the oxygen mask on first. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes by Dr. Carl Jung is, the greatest disservice that you can do for your children, and I'm paraphrasing, is to live an unlived life. You know, if we give everything to our children, if we 
only dote on our husband and we give nothing to ourselves and we don't follow our passions and we don't set boundaries and we don't practice self-care and we don't do the things that really light us up inside and make our soul sing, then in the, at the end of it, we're really only half of a mother. We're really only half of a wife. We're really not even standing in the truth of who we are to be able to give in the end of what those people really deserve of us. So for me, I, I'm, I'm the kind of partner and mother that says, this is mommy's time. This is me time. Every year I take myself on a one week spa vacation by myself where I go and recharge my batteries. And when I come back, I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I've practiced a, a, a crap ton of yoga. I've eaten great spa food. I feel like a million bucks. And then I'm ready to go back and, and, and give, right? Not all of myself, but maybe a little bit more than if I was feeling resentful because all I was doing was giving. Right. So I actually don't have that guilty complex where I feel like I'm never doing enough and need to be doing more. I, I want my children to have the kind of life where they feel fulfilled and satisfied in, in where they're going and they have that nice healthy balance of self-care and self-nurturing and self-efficacy and self-respect. Mm -hmm. And they teach that to their families and their friends and the people around them. And they set boundaries to which their mental health flourishes. And then they can be better friends, spouses, partners, parents because of that. That's amazing. And it's, it's the best time to teach that because yes. For me, it's challenging, as I know women that I know have, are in relationships and are mothers and have children, and they've come to this awareness after. Yeah. And it's challenging to then kind of reset and say, listen, no, I need me time. It's, it's a guilt that we start to develop. Like if I say, I'm going to go to a coffee house, then I have my coffee. And I'm going to write another chapter of my book or simply do some research or whatever it is, or read a trashy novel, if I please. Yeah. I, I'm on my way, like, I got this, I'm doing this. And then as I'm there already, I'm like, oh my gosh, did I just abandon my family? Like, it's this thing where I'm like, stop it. I'm, it's like a battle in my head that I'm like, why do I feel guilty about doing nothing wrong? Yes. I know there's nothing wrong with me thinking of myself. And then there's a side of me where it's like, they are probably missing me, they need me, they need to know where I'm at. There's just this, this inside battle of, I, I know I need to give to myself and I do, but then the guilt tricks in. Like what, what, can, what strategies could you offer to someone like me who is in the middle of it, right? Not probably someone who is in awareness yet or someone who's already established with someone who's in the thick of it. Like, listen, I love my family. I adore my family. They're everything, yeah. but I'm everything. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say just project like 10, 10 years into the future because in 10 years, your kids aren't going to be there. And then what are you going to be left with? Right? What, what shell of you is going to be left? And then do you really want to look back and be like, okay, now they're all perfect and they're all fulfilled and they're like all plump and off they go. But like, I'm this like withered, shriveled version of myself because I didn't actually take care of myself. I mean, who is that serving? And really the, the reality of it is, is we know guilt, neither guilt, you know, like that, that doesn't serve anybody. It's not productive. It doesn't actually like help you in any way. 
So removing guilt and actually like having a higher observer kind of mentality about it, like seeing a, the bigger picture of it, like what is the reality of this? What is really going to happen if I go and take an hour for myself and have coffee? The reality of it is, is I'm going to really go and take an hour and have coffee. Like the world is not going to fall apart. And what I'm going to be teaching my children is you're allowed to take care of yourself. And if you take care of yourself and if you practice rituals and habits that keep contributing to your well-being and your self-love and your self-care practice, you're only going to grow and blossom in your power. And you're going to have this beautiful run-on effect to not only your immediate family, but to your friends and your friends' friends. And before you know it, you have all of these powerful, strong women surrounding you. Not women that are shrinking from their own guilt and their own shame and their own repression. I mean, we have enough shrinking violets in the world right now, especially in countries where women aren't even allowed to get an education. So where we do have a free country, we do need to stand up for ourselves and be like, this is really important to my mental health. And because I love you so much, I'm going to model to you how I would like you to be when you're a parent too. So watch me go, blow me a kiss. I'll see you an hour and I can't wait to come back and you know, play Uno with you or how old your kids are or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Or do something really special with you. But I know that, I know that you're going to love mommy and support mommy while I go and have this great time for myself. And when you're older, you're going to love these times too. And I can't wait to watch you do this for yourself. And these are the kinds of conversations we need to be having with our children. Right. right. Otherwise, we perpetuate the circle of shame and guilt, right? Yes. Yeah. And I was going to say just that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, to get here, to get to this moment of truth, to get to this moment of awareness, of confidence, of putting into action what I have learned, even if I feel guilty or not. There's this healing journey, this healing process that has to ensue. However, a lot of people are very reluctant. They're afraid of getting to addressing those hurts yeah. and pains. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how can we address that? How can we, I know we, we should live and model through that, right? But why, why don't people seek help when they, they are hurt? And you know, they're unwilling to really face that pain because it's hard AF <laughs> and it's uncomfortable and you'll probably cry and you'll probably have to look at parts of your life that you're ashamed of or times when you've been really hurt or humiliated or wounded. And those parts, uh, when we remember them, feel like physical pain. And we are pre-programmed as human beings not to feel physical pain. That's why when we put our hand near an oven and it's hot, we pull back. Like we we are programmed not to put ourselves in danger. It is, goes back to evolutionary times and caveman times where if that worked for you and you kept yourself out of harm's way, you survived. You know, if there was a scarcity of food in one place, you moved where there was more food. If there was, you know, a, a bear coming towards you, you got the hell out of the way so that you would survive. Like we avoid pain. So to confront your pain, to go back into the past, to look at your wounding, to, to visit the parts of yourself that your whole life you've been going, la, 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 if I don't like look over there, if I, don't, if, I, if I just pretend like that never happened, I'll be okay. Right. But the problem is, is 
that thing on the other side never goes away. That part. That thing that you press down and suppress with food, sex, drugs, uh, shopping, whatever, is still just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's growing and growing. It's like literally turning from a small pustule into an infection. So until we're like literally able to look into the infection and into the pus and like open it up and be like, all right, let's get in there. It's going to be stinky and dirty and gross. It's going to be uncomfortable and hurt like hell. But the more we can face it squarely, the more likely we are to clean it all out, take it into the light, see it for what it is, accept it, maybe forgive the people that did it to us on some level, not, not absolve it or say that it was right or that it, but, but accept that it happened and not wish that it were any different and find a lesson or maybe even a gift in it. Right. Every, every single thing that has ever happened to us, no matter how tumultuous, and I know this is going to cause some comments maybe, <laughs> has a gift in it, right? Some, uh, some of the most horrible things that have happened in my life I know when I look back, have brought me, have catapulted me to some of the most beautiful people and experience and serendipitous uh, meetings uh, right after some of the lowest times. So I think life just does that to us. It, it, it gives us lessons out of, you know, they say like the, the blessings out of the mess, right? So um, yeah, I think if you can see it that way, if you can see it, if you can know that it's gonna be uncomfortable. And you can imagine that, you know, when a butterfly is growing its wings in a chrysalis, it's uncomfortable. It's dark and scary and suffocating and you're turning from mush to, you know, this beautiful, expansive, one of the prettiest insects in the world, right? You just have to go through that, that difficult transformation to be able to spread your wings and fly to the highest branch of the tallest tree. I mean, very few things that are beautiful come easy in life. Very so If you're willing to do that work, right? If you're willing to do the work that's difficult and uncomfortable, you can come out, you know, on the other side with a lightness of being, with a sense of self and groundedness and alignment and joy that you may not have ever experienced before in your life. And to me, that's worth it. It's, it's everything you said, Steph. <laughs> but I want to go back a little bit to the forgiveness part because okay. I think a lot of our hurt and pain comes and stems from the not receiving an apology, not getting to hear maybe the people who heard us say, I'm sorry, or be sorry, right? Because they right. can say it, but not be it. Or they may be sorry, never got the chance to apologize or to truthfully open up and try to mend things with you, right? So a lot of us have that, we either have that part or we have the, they said sorry, they are sorry, but they think that because you forgive them, you have absolved them of everything they've done and they still have complete access to you. So I have those two parts, but I also have that. I grew up Catholic. I grew up Christian. Um, and I grew up with the idea of two things, which I think they were stemmed so deeply in me that everything I did as a child was wrong. Like everything was a sin everything, everything. Even if my parents said go to sleep and I was watching Charmed at 9 p.m. and I wasn't sleepy, I was like, 
crap, you know, I'm going to hell for this, but man, this <laughs> like I loved my girls, you know, but I, I carried such a huge guilt with me around that I didn't feel worthy enough of just being happy, of just being me, of just being free and feeding my child, not inner child. I was a child. Wow. So it makes it so hard as an adult to feed my inner child when my child was always feeling guilty. And then to layer up on the guilt part when it comes to the religious aspect, they tell you to forgive, but turn the other cheek. It's almost like keep getting hurt. It's okay. You're going to be in heaven when you die. So it's fine. And as an adult, I'm like, screw that. I'm sorry, but <laughs> heaven and hell is in here. And my heaven or hell is depending on how my mind is. How can I live based on something that's not guaranteed? Yes, I believe in the higher powers. Yes, I believe and I have faith. I do not believe that there is some kingdom or some hell that I will pay for if I stole a grape or if I watched Charmed or if I go to the coffee house for an hour. I don't believe that. Um, right. And of course, everybody has their own experiences. I died, I went to hell. I died, I went to hell. Be fine. We all have our own kinds and versions of heaven and hell as well. I believe that. However, growing up with that mindset, um, and then now becoming an adult and going through my journey, I've learned that you can absolutely forgive someone. You can absolutely understand where they came from, but you don't absolutely have to keep them at any kind of proximity that you don't right. want them to. And right. that's, that's a really hard aspect to, to it's a battle because it's, it's so much unlearning that has to be done to get to that level. And then you're still surrounded by that older self of you because of family and friends. And also because when you came into this world of existence with your family and friends, you were that person. So they're still looking at you and treating you as that older person. And when you come with new information and you come with your enlightenment, they're kind of looking at you like, girl, what are you smoking? Or what are you smoking? Neither. I mean, I'm meditating a lot. I, you know, I have, I still pray and, and I meditate a lot and I feel even more connected now to the higher powers than I did before. And the more I meditate and the more closer I feel, um, I feel less guilty. I feel more powerful. And it's such, it's such an amazing journey and process, but I've had so much help along the way. One of which was your Reiki um, classes I went to or the Reiki sessions I took with you. And I want you to talk about Reiki because Reiki mm -hmm. is the world. A lot of people didn't know about like I did until this year. Mm -hmm. yeah. so tell us about Reiki. Tell us about what that can do and what it's done. Sure. Well, let's just talk about the forgiveness a little bit, right? When you're talking about like absolving, because <clears throat> I do want to touch on that because I do think that's so important for your listeners to understand that sometimes they're not going to get the, the apology that they probably do deserve and that, that that's neither here nor there. That they, they, the closure that they think they need, they actually don't need. That it's all based on the knowing that everything's going to unfold in the perfect way to give you the lesson that you need to learn. And that forgiveness, like I said before, is really all about looking back at your past and not wishing it was any different. And that when you forgive someone, it is about dropping the chain of resentment or anger or rage that is connecting your heart to their heart. 
So someone's done wrong by you, uh, you know, you forge an iron chain. It's a heavy, heavy chain. And you, you can carry that around your whole life. You know, say, you know, you've had a partner cheat on you and you're divorced. Well, you can be divorced and you can separate and you can geogra geographically be on opposite sides of the world. But if you haven't forgiven your husband, and I don't mean absolve, I just mean by forgiving, not wishing it were any different, you, you're, you're attached to that person with this really heavy chain of unforgiveness. And it is like, it weighs you down. And it weighs you down emotionally. It weighs you down physically. A lot of people gain a lot of weight because there's like a protective measure, measure around it. And forgive, to forgive is to, to, to give yourself a gift of releasing the pain and the rage and the resentment and letting that chain just drop. And for me, I, you know, I did decide to have an estrangement with my own mother because of her personality disorder, her depressive disorder, and our inability to meet each other on a level that felt nourishing and loving for me. And I guess for her. Mm -hmm. So I was able to forgive her so much. I was able to forgive and forgive and forgive until it felt like I unloved her. Mm. Because the hardest part for me was I just kept loving my mom. Mm. So I kept waking up in the middle of the night wishing it were different. I kept waking up in the morning crying. I kept holding on to my husband asking, why, why do I have this life? But when I forgave her over and over again, I, I, I unloved her enough to set her free. And there's a freedom now when I think about her that I just accept her, that I accept all of the things that unfolded in our life, whether they were toxic or not. And it just is what it is, what it is. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I really don't wish it were different. I don't wish it unfolded any different because I know it brought me right here this moment where I'm exchanging this beautiful conversation with you that will allow other people to hear this and be like, oh, I'm not alone. Yes. You know, I'm not alone in this. And maybe I can set boundaries around this particular thing in my life. Maybe, uh, I, you know, it's okay to set boundaries with this person and know that I can have distance from this person. Or I can say, I can no longer have you in my life because when you are in my life, this is how it affects me. And until we can come to an agreement where it affects me differently, I need to have physical, emotional, mental space from you, what have you. And forgiveness can really help move you through that process. You can forgive until the bond that holds you together is released. And that freedom is what will allow you to not be treated any differently by anybody. That's beautiful. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So Reiki. Reiki, uh, I've been working with Reiki energy for almost 16 years now. I became a Reiki master um, in 2007. I, I, I came across Reiki in a really weird way. My husband and I were having a really difficult time in our marriage. We had three young boys under five years old. And I think we were both at our wits end and he's just like, I'm just going to send you for this thing. It's called a Reiki massage. It sounds spiritual. I know you like all that stuff. So I'm just going to send <laughs> you. <laughs> so I remember going and I was like, okay, where do you want me to um, hang my clothes up? And she said, oh no, you don't take your clothes up. I'm like, what? 
he can't even get a massage right like what kind of like what's this gonna be like <laughs> i remember being mad at him for that um and she's like no you just lie on the table fully clothed and i'm like I remember crossing my arms being like, this is going to be some bullshit. <laughs> um, but very quickly, I, I remember just feeling like I was transported to another space and time. I remember feeling a lightness of being. I remember feeling a calm and a peace. Like I came home to myself. Mm-hmm. And when that hour was finished, I remember just looking up at this young woman being like, what did you just do to me? Like, what just happened? She's like, I don't know. I just learned I'm Reiki level. I'm like, oh. So I knew I needed to learn what it was. I wanted to do it more on myself. I wanted to do it on my husband. And I wanted to heal our family. I wanted to do it on my kids. My, my son was really asthmatic. Um, and I had a newborn. And I was trying to figure out where I could take courses. But the courses were all really far away. And I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. And I think in a couple of weeks, I just looked in one of my bushes outside and there was like this pamphlet. It was like a trifold of just regular paper, black and white, like a photocopy. And this woman had just moved in behind me offering Reiki classes. And um, I started to work with her and she became an incredibly beautiful healer for me. She worked through a lot of my wounding with me. Um, And she taught me the art of Reiki, which is basically channeling universal life force energy. So as Reiki practitioners, we bring the energy that is all around us. The, I'm looking outside my window right now, the energy that is moving the wind through the trees, the energy that is in this ring light around me, the energy that vibrates in the cells and the DNA of my body. We channel all of the energy that's in animation around us, through us and through the palms of our hands, and we channel it into the person that we're working on. So what it does is it raises the vibration and the frequency of that person's body, their their megahertz, right? It's measurable. They've measured people before and after these sessions. And it helps to organize their energetic centers. So these are called the chakras. And it helps them to flow more easily so that all of these chakras are in alignment, whether it's in their groundedness, their throat chakra, which is communication, their crown chakra, which is alignment with their faith and their, their um, ability to believe in something higher than themselves, whatever it is, it's this feeling of lightness. And if I've worked on a thousand people, 990 of them, when we're finished, say, I just feel lighter. I just feel more at peace. I just feel calmer. Yeah. So in this lightness, you take this higher frequency, this higher vibration into your life And because higher vibration and higher frequency falls uh, under the umbrella of love and lower frequency falls under the uh, umbrella of fear. So under fear, you have, you know, impatience and anger and rage and jealousy and envy. And under love, you have things like joy and meditation and consciousness and spirituality and peace and grace and happiness. Like, so you just more naturally, uh, default to the higher frequency emotion so then people are like what's up with you Lillian why are you so happy like what is it about your vibe when I'm around you like why do I want to be close to you it's like that's what it is like and every time I give Reiki I channel it so it's coming through me so I'll hear the same thing that you hear it's like what is it about you you seem to glow what is it about your aura what is it about your vibe well that's what it is is we just have a lot more of what we came into this world with, but it just gets stripped away through experiences, through narratives, through 
the things that we hear and we, we expose ourselves to, whether it's, you know, the narratives, whether it's the things we put in our body, whether it's the toxins that we're exposed to, whether it's the sedentary lifestyle, whether it's not getting in nature, whether it's no sunlight, whether it's lack of vitamin supplements, whatever, all of those things lower our vibration. So Reiki just elevates it for you. So it allows you to become more in alignment with who you're really meant to be. It's what it did for me. Um, yeah. I walked in not believing in my capabilities. Yeah. I walked in with limited beliefs of how high my frequency could go. And since then, I've been able to look in the mirror without judging myself, without feeling unworthy. And I really bask in my feminine energy since then. Being raised by a single mom was hard in, a, in ways where, so my dad left around 10 years old. And since then, it was like my mom became the man and woman in the house. We didn't have the masculine energy. So since then, my mom basically taught me, like, don't depend on a man. You can't depend on a man. And um, I think no one should depend on each other for anything. But when you're married, it's such a different construct to that idea. It's not depending. It's trusting. Yeah. And it's such a different idea. And so when I did come to you and... I understood so much of myself and how much I was trying to mask as strong. Like, why can't I be strong in my feminine glory? Why must I bask so much in my masculine energy and assume that's only strong? And with that, I was able to come into my own, you know, light and understand, holy crap, you know, the strength is within me. And this is where I'm going to go. And there is no limit. The only limit is wherever I put it in my head is where I should be at. But there's so much more to me. And there's still so much work that I have to do and will continue to do because I, at this age and at this stage of my life, and I'm so young, but I've lived so much that I have to unlearn and unpack. And at the same time, I'm modeling this for my daughter. Mm -hmm. She's watching me, you know? And there's so much of me that I don't want her to say, I'm going to be doing it so different than her. I want her to say, she did it this way. I didn't like that. But then she corrected herself and she did better. And if she was able to do better while she had all this going on, then I absolutely must do better. And also teaching my son, you know, that a strong woman doesn't have to be masculine in any sense. Yeah. And that he can be sensitive and, and, and cry and expressive in a healthy way and be masculine. Yes. It's such a power trip, it's such a power play in so many relationships and dynamics, not just marriage, but you know, my son got to a point where he'd be like, why am I washing the dishes? That's a girl's job, like trying to make a joke out of it. And he just waits for my reaction. He's kind of scared, like, what is mom gonna do? And I turn around and he's like, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are, right? But Reiki for me was the introduction of my life, not my new life, my life. And things that I thought I had forgiven, I didn't because I carried that and I waited on myself. I was turning the cheek all the time. 
and I'm not turning the cheek no more. <laughs> I'm just turning up the volume of my frequency is what I'm doing. And anything that falls below that is not up to me. It's like, nope, that law there, like it's not gonna affect me. And I've noticed for other people, it's hard for them to take that. They're like, excuse you? What do you mean? Yeah. You think you know more than me? You think you're so smart. You think you, because you're a teacher, you know so much. And you know, you, you think you got it all figured out. I don't, and that's why I'm always in, in the business of learning and of healing of this journey. It's never ending. You don't just reach to the top and stay there. That's why we're constantly meditating. We're constantly trying to do the things and learning and, and you know, schooling ourselves on ways we can help us, we can help ourselves, our family, our loved ones, our friends, and also the strangers that are supportive of anything you do, sometimes even more than your close ones. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not just my job. It's not just for me. It's for you. It's for everybody. Correct. And every time you stand in your truth and somebody has that reaction to you, like, who do you think you are, right? What they're really saying is, I want to be you. Mm. And, and, I, and I, wish, I wish I was you. And the fact that you are like that scares the shit out of me because I don't know how to be that either. So your job is to be then compassionate. The compassionate healer in you needs to come forward and know that that person is, is coming from a place of wounding. And you say, you know what? You can be like that too. I'm no different from you. Right. I'm the same as you. And, and what I want for you is to know how to set boundaries too and how to love yourself too and how to put yourself first. And how can we all stand and link arms as strong, powerful women mm. so that we can uplift hundreds and thousands of women to stand in, into their own truth? I mean, that's what we want. We don't, we don't want women fighting each other and being catty against each other. And, and the frank truth is as well, is that we teach others how to treat us. Yeah. So, right. So like, you don't even want to be in a position where you think someone could even talk, whatever, even talk to you like that. Right. right. You want to be in a position where someone wouldn't dare speak in a derogatory term to, to, way to you. You know, and, and you want it to be a mutual respect that you show so much respect to somebody that they wouldn't dare disrespect you with the, that kind of verbiage. Right. So it's how you hold yourself. It's the grace and the poise with which you carry yourself throughout your life that people will respond to you to. So that's when, you know, you really need to take a look in the mirror and be like, you know, how am I carrying myself throughout the world? And how are then people in turn reacting and acting towards me? And what do I need to tweak in order to up level and teach people what I need to re receive back from them? That's, and it's, it's hard to do when you're the trailblazer, right? Yeah. Um, it, for instance, in my family, I'm the first to graduate college the first to have done so many things. I, you know, published a book and I have my podcast and I'm in the middle of new projects and being the first to do so much um, can be exhausting. It can be very exhausting because you do feel kind of lonely out here. <laughs> you feel misunderstood. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it feels lonely, but at the same time, you feel powerful because you know you were chosen to change the narrative, mm -hmm. right? I think about 
that um, meme or I, I saw somebody turn the meme into something real like on TikTok. Um, uh, I should have said I read an article somewhere. It sounds more formal, but <laughs> TikTok University has taught me a lot. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> but I, I saw the meme where, where, not a meme, but a picture where, you know, there's a bunch of matches and one is pulled down and it's like, you know, the fire stops there. And it's the same way I, I feel like I was that match that was brought down and is saying, you can stop it there. And for a long time, I was very um, reluctant to, to just go for it. I just felt like something was holding me in and something was holding me back. And it was me. I was holding myself back from feeling. I was always an overthinker. I was completely anxious all the time and overthinking everything trying to do everything perfectly and then yet still feeling unaccomplished um and knowing that it's a choice that we make because i feel like everybody could be that match anybody can be that match that pulls back but we it's easier to stay above and just burn with the rest of the matches it's just so much easier to follow the crowd it's easier to escape with the alcohol and drugs and other things um, than to elevate. Mm -hmm. And also coming from a religious aspect to bring religion again a little bit in here, coming from the religious aspect, you're you're told that elevation is no good. Mm -hmm. You're taught that elevation is synonymous with like being high. You know, mm -hmm. like, no, mm -hmm. you're not in the right state of mind, you know. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is like if you're elevating then you're closer to God. You're in a better position of love and no one can tell you. You're feeling it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, I have this personal feeling and, and thought and idea that your relationship with God is private. It's, it's like a marriage. Like nobody should be in between your relationship with God. No one should get in that. And for me, religion has has in the past interfered with that. But there are other ways even that religion can still exist. It can coexist with you still being enlightened, with you still being elevated, with you still finding healing and not having to turn the cheek, but still understanding that that's how maybe others practice. That's, that's just how it is. But what would you say to someone who is extremely religious but is looking for that healing component that maybe their religion may not be inviting of or accepting of but they're willing to try so religion is usually based on fear right fear yeah. and organization of following specific things and doing specific things that are sort of ordered at, at you to do where spirituality is about elevating the entire planet right entire elevating and in, entire the existence of of elevating the existence of all beings basically and how we are all interconnected and if you really you know if you really listen to the word of god right if you really listen to whether it's allah or buddha or christ or whomever mm -hmm. they always say that there is a part of there is a spark of that from which you came from within you right you come from the creator the creator is within you mm -hmm. and if and if that is the truth then 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 you are the same from which you came from you are source you are the all-knowing thing that that beautiful thing that higher wisdom that that 
that beautiful presence that is omnipresent, right? That's all around us. So if you are the same, then there's nothing to be afraid of, right? And, and that, that we are all the same, that we are all interconnected and that you can still practice, right? Your religion, you can still be part of that and still wish that we all across the globe elevate. You can still understand that even though we look to different uh, entities to um, worship, that we can still wish for us all to live in the truth of ourselves and to elevate all of ourselves to a place of compassion and oneness and unity. And in yoga, we call it union, right? Like yoga means to yoke, which means to come together. It's the non-duality of all things, that there is not you know, one or the other. It is all one thing. So um, I think if you see it that way, you'll understand that enlightenment is to still be in your truth and you can easily intermesh the two of them because they're both all compassionate. They're both all about, you know, providing yourself with a higher, higher state of being. You wouldn't have to worry about it um, feeling like you're cheating on your God or anything like that, right? You're, 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 you're just understanding that you're connecting with nature. You're connecting with with energy you're connecting with you know that that which which makes your your soul feel at home here on earth and and if any religion would look down on that then you have to question you know like well really what what is this religion that i'm giving up my life for you know like how how is that serving me then right if if it it would look down upon what you're what you're what what makes you feel right yeah it's that part yeah and when you are raised or you grow up or you think and believe that your purpose is to only serve others is where we expect the impossible. Yeah. And how can someone love you mm-hmm. if you're not loving yourself? It's impossible. Because true love starts. Yeah, you can only know love if you love yourself first. Otherwise, you, you know not how to love. Yeah. Right. And we're asking yeah. the impossible. And, and it's no wonder we have, I think, that many divorces. Why we have that many suicides and depression and all these pills and, and medicines that are just there to keep you in that, that circle. That, of numbness. That, yeah, that, that yeah. we're frequency. Yeah, for sure. For sure, because to feel is scary. You know, to be in the reality of the feeling is, is very scary. Um, but the more we develop uh, the willingness to be present, you know, and to be mindful of every moment and to find grace and gratitude as we look around our lives, it's just a shift in perspective. Like I may have even said this to you, like, you know, I can look outside my window at any given moment and I can focus on the brown patch of grass that's ever present for some reason on this part of my of my lawn or i can look at the expansive beautiful view that i'm afforded in any season and it's the same view i'm st- my eyes are still in the same direction but what do i choose to look at in my life do i choose to look at the brown patch of grass or do i choose to look at how much beauty i'm surrounded at so if at any given moment you look at your life and you're like what am I grateful for today? Well, how about my beating heart that beats for me day in and day out without ever asking for anything in return? Right. And as long as this heart is beating, I am 
alive and I'm here and I'm afforded another day at this amazing thing called life to sit across from you and watch a smile spread across your face and watch and see and hear you grow and learn on your journey. Like, how amazing is that? And like, if I numb myself and dumb myself down with, with drugs or, or alcohol or social media or, or distract myself from really being present, you know, and, and having this kind of closeness that we're having here, we're hardwired as human beings neurobiologically to connect. There's so many studies that show that people would rather starve than not have human connection. We would rather die a slow death than not have human connection. So why not foster that? Why not foster that in the most beautiful ways rather than numbing ourselves out on the things that don't make us feel? Why not feel and be vulnerable and have wide open hearts in our lives? Well, because that's scary, but the payoff is, is huge because we get to experience things like this, right? where two people come across from each other sharing their hearts and their minds and their souls. I mean, and, and other people get to watch afterwards and, and learn from that. Like it's, it's kick-ass. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> it feels that way. It feels yeah. that way that, you know, you, you're at a point where people are kind of sick of you being so positive and you're like, wait a minute, am I being positive or am I just, I'm seeing the truth, but I'm choosing better sure it's, it is about perspective and you get people that are like why are you so freaking happy or, or you 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 know you know it's i don't know what you're on but you know you're on you're on the journey and you're on awareness and you're on your spiritual enlightenment path and you're on you're just on awareness you're there and I think being mindful in any moment that you are being present and not just physical mm -hmm. has allowed me to recreate this space in my world. Now, no matter where I go, it's almost like I have this bubble with me. Yes. And, um, and it's not a bubble to keep reality out. It's a bubble to keep me inside of the state of this elevation, this bubble of love that sometimes doesn't exist. And I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's a bubble wrap where, you know, you can try to poke through it, but it doesn't actually break. You know, you can yeah. pop one for your, for your fun. And yeah. I'm like, okay, you need a little bit of this. Let's pop this and, and, you know, take it with you. You need that. But I'm still wrapped up around with that. And, you know, and, and I've noticed that when you reach a certain level, of that journey you've reached a certain part of that suddenly you will start to lose connection with certain people um, you'll lose um, a taste for codependency uh, you'll lose a taste of pain and hurt and, and suddenly you're gonna believe so much in yourself that it's gonna be kind of scary too because we're so yeah. fearing to feel that we become afraid of success in a way. Like, wait a minute, I could actually have all that? There's such an abundance in this world. There's such an abundance and we're all deserving of it. And if only everybody would get to that level of understanding, we'd be in Teletubby land. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but I think Lillian, an important thing to remember is that now that you are here, right, that you 
you can be a catalyst for so many people. Yes. You know, if you have this mindset, not that, not that people are trying to take you down, but that people are walking around wounded and that we are all suffering and that you have to remember where you came from and the empathy for those people that are trying to find their way, but just don't know how, you know, you could be planting the seed for someone by saying, you know, you don't have to stay stuck, you know, and, and what I'm experiencing right now, it's not this magical unicorn fairy state of being like, this is just a shift in perspective. This is just about practicing, you know, mindfulness and stillness and breath work and gratitude and, and not wishing my past was any different. And, you know, you know, not trying to fight against anything, just accepting, having radical acceptance in my life. And you can start planting seeds all around you to the people that you feel might be, you know, getting their hackles up or like getting a little bit bristling when they're around you. You might be the one that softens into them. You might be the, the rare person that softens into them and, and says, hey, you know, like, I want you to experience this too. Yeah. Like, this is your birthright to feel great all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like, come here. Let me give you a hug. Like, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about how I started. Or watch my podcast mm -hmm. and see if you can learn something because I love you. You know, like, yeah. we all need to hear something like that, yeah. especially women to women where sometimes it can be combative. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think we need to be a soft place for women to fall sometime and be like, I'm not your enemy. Right. You know, like I want to hold space for you if, if you'll let me, yes. you know? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good thing to take, take away. Yeah. That's the goal. And that's the goal is once you learn something, spread that however you yeah. can. Yeah, right? for sure. Of healing going. For sure, for sure. My dearest and darling Stephanie, you've been amazing. And to know you is to love you. You're, you're more than what you, you know of. Thank you, my love. You definitely created a chain of healing within my, my own home. And whatever bit I've learned through you has been a huge you're a huge reason for any successes that I, that come my way, for sure. It's even hard to put into words. It's almost just like, we just like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's what I feel. You've done the hard work, darling. It's been hard. <laughs> and it's, you know, I've had enough of the hard and it's yeah. okay if it's hard um, from here on out. I feel that it's okay if it's hard when I'm choosing it. Um, and I'm aware of it. And I know that in the long run, just like the healing journey has been, everything will pay off for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And I'm honored to know you. It's, it's my, my honor. It's my honor. Thank you. Thank you for sharing time and space and energy with me today. Thank you for your energy. Your whole existence is amazing, Steph. And if people need to know you, they need to find you. They need to know where to go. Tell our people where they can find you. Oh, the easiest place is Instagram because I feel like I'm always on Instagram, <laughs> which is at Mind Body Spirit in Balance. Um, my website, the same name, www.mindbodyspiritinbalance.com. And um, I'm Stephanie Moore on Facebook, but that's mostly family stuff. 
<laughs> and yoga stuff. Um, but yeah, if you go to Instagram, my, my bio is in the link. So you'll be able to contact me directly from Instagram. Hopefully you have Instagram. And if you can't, you can go to my website and then you can contact me by there. Yeah, you need to go follow her. It's, it's just full of gems. If you thought she dropped gems today, follow her because <laughs> Steph, you're, you're amazing. Thank you again for your time and energy. Thank you. Can't wait Thank to you, see honey. You again. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. True Lessons Podcast is brought to you by Level Up Coaching. Level Up Coaching promises to glow up with you during your time of healing and growth. Do you lack confidence, clarity, or support? Level Up Coaching is here to guide you through it all. For more information and bookings, visit levelupcoachingwithlil.com. Again, that's levelupcoachingwithlil.com. Thank you for listening to True Lessons. Before you go, make sure you're keeping up with your hosts and our guests. Follow us on IG, True Lessons Podcast, all one word. For tools and resources discussed throughout the show and goodies, send us an email at truelessonspodcast at gmail.com. Send us your letters or simply your desire to connect. Love and light, mi gente.